Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of the TA Playlist, the official game club of TrueAchievements.com. This month, July 2018, we've been exploring the Mojave Wasteland in Fallout New Vegas. I'm Sam, Gamertag Kintaris, and joining me as always is Mark, Gamertag Not Benny's Boat. Hi, Mark. Hello again. Hey. <laughs> um, so, Fallout New Vegas, uh, it won in a month where we were looking at games that had a sequel coming up this year. In this case, it was Fallout 76, which we saw at E3 this year, and seems to be a huge departure for the series. But Fallout's actually fairly familiar to significant change throughout its history. So Fallout 1 by Interplay was a 2D turn-based isometric RPG, and while Fallout 2 was following a similar pattern, the third game from Bethesda was a fully 3D open-world adventure, and it dropped the turn-based combat, although it retained certain aspects of it with the VAT system. Then Fallout 4 came along, and some would argue that that didn't really do enough to change up the formula. It got rave reviews when it first came out, but speaking to people now looking back on fallout 4 it doesn't really doesn't really stand up the way that people were hoping that it was going to with the test of time because it's uh, it's perhaps a little bit too samey for people that have come off of fallout 3 but in the middle of fallout 3 and fallout 4 we got fallout new vegas which was a game using bethesda's engine from fallout 3 but was plotted and designed and written by obsidian who are made up of former Interplay developers, among some other people. So it was a mesh of classic Fallout ideas with the kind of open-world uh, gameplay design that we'd come to expect from Bethesda. And I just wanted to ask, Mark, what's your history with the series so far? Yeah, like I, I, I think I said on a previous show, I've never had access at all, really, to a to a nice top-end gaming PC, or, or, or really even any gaming mm. PC, so... Uh, anything that was PC exclusive from from years back, or even even these days, I just kind of read about it and don't get to experience it. So I haven't played the first two, and I've been wondering in preparation for this episode, and I've thought this before. I think Fallout Three may have been my first RPG ever, even though that seems very late hmm. into the life for someone who's been playing video games his his whole life. <laughs> I I don't know. I I can't think of any that that predate that. Hmm. And so that was like 2008 or so, although I don't think I played it then. I probably played it 2009 or 10, hmm. which by then I think New Vegas was, was out or coming out, depending on when it actually was. But yeah, I think that was my first one. I, I never finished it because it didn't, uh, just didn't capture me. And I think hmm. probably about halfway through, I just kind of fell off of it. I, I kept getting killed by this one death claw out in the open. <laughs> I th- I think back on that save, that save file now and I realize... I could have just gone a different route. The world is open enough. <laughs> but that part was just so frustrating. And I don't know, I guess, like I said, I was new to RPGs. I I just never went back to it. Yeah. <laughs> and then Fallout 4, I bought into the hype with everyone else. And I thought, oh, it's going to be different this time. And so I actually got it as a Christmas gift because I put it on my list from uh, my fiance, also known as Santa Claus. And <laughs> so she got it and I... I played it last in a line of several games I received that year for Christmas and because mm. I knew it would take the longest. And I ended up dropping out of that one as well. And only just recently, I, th- I think at the end of the last month, I went back and finished Fallout 4. Yeah. Just so I could have finished at least one Fallout before we jumped into New Vegas together. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it turns out I was like right at the finish line. I had like three story ma- missions remaining <laughs> when I when I dropped it years ago. And yeah, I, I I totally see why people feel the way they do about that one. I, it came out and people were really hyped on it. And it even won our Game of the Year award on True mm. Achievements as voted by the whole community over The Witcher 3, which is 
still uh, pretty controversial <laughs> for I think all all three of us uh, regular hosts. Not that Kevin's here, but I'll speak for him. I, I know he feels the same. But yeah, and then this was my first go through, my first go around with with New Vegas. So not too versed in it, but uh, I've played enough of them to to know what I was getting into. I think. Yeah, and it's. It, it, I mean, we'll we'll talk about it later on, but it's obviously going to give you quite a unique perspective because I think a lot of people. By the time New Vegas and and then Fallout Four came around, if if they'd played any Fallout games at all, they'd probably decided whether it was their kind of thing or not. So I th- I would have thought there's probably less people picking up Fallout Four and then going back to something like New Vegas, especially because of the console divide as well. Although it's backwards compatible, you know the the difference in the engine and everything like that. There's probably yeah. I would say a small percentage of the people who would play Fallout Four and choose to go back to to something like this but yeah so it's it'll be interesting to see how they compare for you when we when we get to that but um from from my perspective i've always desperately wanted to go back to fallout 1 and 2 because um fallout 3 was actually one of my early early rpgs as well um but i really got invested in it and um as i did with oblivion um uh, which is bethesda's uh, elder scrolls game from uh, that came out just before Fallout 3. Um, and I just got invested in their whole way of kind of doing things at the time. Um, so yeah, I would, I would love to go back to Fallout 1 and 2. And I, I own them both on Steam, but I've just never really got around to it. Um, played through New Vegas when it came out, um, day one. Played through every DLC day one. It was probably the last game where I was eagerly anticipating the next DLC release. You know, back back when you got sort of four or five DLCs per game. You know, I was I was finishing one, and it was like getting to the end of a of a TV episode, and knowing you've got to wait for the next one to turn up. You know, I was I I can't remember the last time I've gone through a set of DLC like that. Actually, kind of hmm. excited to to see what happens on the next one because so often now you buy the season pass and then probably don't play any of them until the whole thing's out, and then <laughs> then go back round and catch up with them. But um, but yeah, so I really got heavily into New Vegas, um, and then I was very excited for fallout 4 but for me it just um it just failed to kind of capture my imagination in the same way that new vegas had and and that three had and i think um we'll we'll get on to it but i think the 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 shifting perspective in terms of the kinds of people that are developing the games probably got a lot to do with that um i think that fallout 3 and fallout 4 share a lot more dna than new Mm. vegas does with either of them so that might be the reason but We'll get to that, as I said. So we'll start with the story, as we always do. Um, and just a bit of background on the, on the Fallout universe, which I'm sure most of you listening already know about. But just in case, it's, it takes place in an alternate universe where post-war US culture never really evolved past the kind of uh, post-war aesthetic and the post-war philosophy. And in fact, everything Americans kind of feared and dreamed about back then came to pass. Robot butlers and nuclear-powered cars existed alongside driving movie theatres and TV dinners. And eventually, in the fiction of Fallout, it all comes to a head in 2077 with an all-out nuclear war. And then hundreds of years later, the remains of humanity emerged to try and make a new society. In New Vegas, we play as a courier in the remains of civilization in the Mojave Desert. Las Vegas and its surrounding areas were saved the worst of nuclear holocaust by a tech genius called Mr. House. Um, who some Fallout 3 players may already know as the uh, the founder of Robco, who make a lot of the robots that you see in the Fallout universe. Uh, and he now rules over New Vegas seemingly as a machine or a machine-man hybrid. 
And uh, as the game starts, the new California Republic wants to take control of the Hoover Dam, which uh, is providing New Vegas with its power. Um, But House wants Vegas to stay independent, while a brutal army built from slave labour called Caesar's Legion hopes to break the NCR and claim the whole area for themselves. The player basically ends up embroiled in this three-way standoff, and the game ends with you deciding which faction takes control, unless you want to play the wildcard. So I want to start with the kind of the narrative world of Fallout and New Vegas in particular, because I think the most important character for me in the franchise is actually the universe itself. It's such a unique place to be um, and really doesn't have, there aren't many other games out there that, that kind of take that alternate history route um, and really play it up in the same way that Fallout does. Um, and I think for me as well, that that universe expresses itself best in in New Vegas compared to some of the other games, certainly better than Fallout 4. So hmm. what do you think of the kind of world of Fallout and New Vegas in particular, Mark? So I have... I, I wonder if this is a good point to already bring up my sort of most prevailing point regarding this whole series, and, and it applies to this game <laughs> as well. Um, Go for it. I feel like with Fallout, there... I don't know how to put it. There's... There's, it's extremely dense, you know, and like mm. from from a gameplay perspective, there's so much to see, and there's so much background to learn, and I mean, obviously, I'm not uh, as well versed as, as some others who've played the whole series, so mm. I don't know. It's it's a strange, it's it's strange trying to get into the series because any one game feels like it's built on such like just so many years of background information that you may not have and you can seek out a lot of it and you can even find a lot of it but in playing Mm. fallout any of them including this one i always struggle to find like a comfort zone in how much i actually take in of the world uh Mm -hmm. i wonder if that makes sense like like I, f- I feel like it's extremely easy to miss a whole bunch of information and <laughs> but at the same time I feel like the game understands that and the game is fine with players playing that way and I don't know it's yeah. it's a it's a strange it's just a strange uh setup for me like it's an it's an open world RPG and however much of the story and the universe I want to consume uh that it's it's as though the game says like that's enough like whatever i've determined is enough is is enough because that's how the game is set mm. up and yet i always feel like i'm missing so much like i know you have some some favorite side quests we can talk about later and uh and yeah i did some of that exploring as well and you, you get to learn things about these characters that you could so easily miss and mm-hmm. i don't know it's just it, it feels different than other RPGs. I didn't feel this way when I played The Witcher. I didn't feel this way when I played Mass Effect. No. These worlds all are huge and they have so much to learn. But I don't know. It, it feels like being a completionist with Fallout in terms of like narrative content is near impossible. And But at the same time, the game doesn't really punish you for that. And mm. it's... Is that... Hopefully that's making sense. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, no, it feeling? does. <laughs> Yeah, and and to be honest, I think you haven't spent much time with the Elder Scrolls, have you? No, just uh, probably again seventy percent of Skyrim. I didn't finish that. Yeah, one so I mean, I don't know if you noticed that in Skyrim, but certainly in in the Elder Scrolls Oblivion, um, that's kind of par for the course. Like, I think that's that is a certain type of RP, open world RPG that Bethesda make, and I don't think they're alone. 
but they're certainly the ones that I'm most well versed in where it really is just it's it's there's a lot of law that you can just kind of follow certain threads of and then come back from and it's not even necessarily related to the plot the plot the central plot of the actual game is often quite thin um and really it's it's almost for me it's about kind of being like an archaeologist or you know Mm. or just getting you know just being a history hobbyist you know you follow a certain thread and then you end up looking up stuff online or you look up you know certain interesting bits you wonder why you know this person has written this thing in this journal and then you go online and you find out it's because of all this other stuff and I guess I was probably the right age and 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 in the right mindset when I first played the Elder Scrolls Oblivion that I was kind of eager to devour all that lore and to do that kind of extra work as well as to kind of going on Wikipedia and finding out other pieces of information and starting to build up a an understanding of the narrative. I mean, as I said, I haven't played Fallout 1 or 2, but I know quite a lot of the story beats because when I played Fallout 3, I was also I was already getting invested enough that I wanted to know what on earth all these things were. So, but as you said, I think I think Bethesda are, are trying to cater to people like me and people like you, you know, people who will pick up an interesting thread and go, "Okay, that's interesting. I still don't feel like I'm fully invested in the universe, but that's okay and you know i'm enjoying the pieces that i'm understanding um and i suppose i would argue that maybe something like dark souls is the extreme of that as mm. well where you know you go to the point where you basically won't get any lore unless you find the obscure pieces of it that you can um and it's almost mandatory to to start investigating online or talking in forums to even make sense of any of that so yeah i think i think it's partly an RPG thing, but it's also definitely a Bethesda thing. Like, there's a very specific way that they they disperse information out into little books and into <laughs> yeah. terminals and things like that. You know, it's never it's never spoken to you directly. There's 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 never uh, kind of I guess like something like Mass Effect. You have that codex, so at any point you can just immediately call up a dictionary of of everything that's ever happened that's relevant to the plot. Mm-hmm. And obviously, it's a much tighter area and a tighter plot as well so that helps but but yeah Bethesda have never really given you that that kind of codex essentially to be able to at any point if you've lost the thread of what's going on you can go okay that's who that faction is that's what that war was you know that's that's why these guys are acting this way um it's kind of on you to absorb what you feel like absorbing and I think that that can be a hindrance and a help depending on well, probably depending on the individual player, but certainly I think that a lot of people that have perhaps dropped off this month within our community have probably dropped off because, I mean, a lot of comments I've seen were saying that they were finding the game boring up until a certain point, and I think that I can totally understand what they mean by that, and I think that a lot of it comes down to them not really feeling like putting in all of this additional effort on the part of the player to kind of go after all of the the kind of context for everything that's going on and that's not disparaging to them at all i mean when i first played this i i invested hundreds of hours into it and that's not necessarily something that everyone can do um all the time and and as you said i think something like the witcher 3 more recently even though it's almost as obscure in terms of the kind of level of detail that that's actually left out of the uh left out into the wing sort of thing um it never feels quite so abstract um and i think that's something that's changed as time has gone on so 
Um, I definitely think that you know a future Fallout or a future Elder Scrolls would probably have to bear that in mind because I think that players are perhaps less uh, enthusiastic about spending all that time trying to dig up for themselves what on earth these game designers <laughs> are kind of going on about in these various sort of sparse narratives. So hmm. yeah, yeah. So I'm I'm skeptical that they'll that they'll adjust and 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 come more to the. Uh, I mean, not I wouldn't say heavy-handed because you know no. the. the those other RPGs are great in their own way and they're and just different. But uh, yeah, I don't know when I was, what you echoed a lot of what I was trying to say. And, uh, and I, I just wanted to reiterate that I'm not really disparaging the game for it. I, mm. I think it's ultimately commendable the, the way they do that. And I, I don't know, just playing it. I had a, like an uncertain feeling that, as, the, as though I was questioning whether or not I was playing it correctly. And I it took me a long time, even though this is my third Fallout, second one that I've finished, mm. I, I'm still not over that hump of, like, am I doing this wrong? And it, it's weird to feel that way. And I, I guess it's because I love story content in games mm. so much that, you know, I, I have to get comfortable with the fact that I'm essentially never going to find all of the story content in a Fallout <laughs> game. And I guess I'm just not yet comfortable with that, but I I do think, like like I said, they they, you, I don't feel punished for not finding it. It it actually feels kind of rewarding in that way. That it's like like I said, to the extent that you've found any story content, that's that's enough as you've defined mm-hmm. it. You know, it's 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 unique and yeah, it's it's prevalent throughout the series apparently. And that for that reason, I don't I don't think it's going away. But we'll see. I mean. We'll talk about Fallout seventy six later, but it, it might be a whole different beast for for other reasons. But but in terms of how it delivers story, I, I I could see it doing more of that. Yeah, I think to be honest, I think it's it's they they can't they can't lose that kind of as I said that kind of archaeologist spirit that that they kind of have with with all of their games. But I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't have to find some ways to kind of refine it and perhaps give people even just the options to kind of have an encyclopedia. Like I said, you know, just to kind of allow them to steadily build up a a, a constant uh, level of knowledge rather than kind of having to pick stuff up and drop it and forget about it and then wonder whether it's relevant later on but yeah but anyway we'll 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 get onto that later on but um to talk about the actual plot of new vegas itself the game is roughly split into two halves the first sees you tracking down the man who shot you in the head and left you for dead in the opening credits of the game seemingly for no reason at the time um you wake up you go through your usual um hollywood i've got amnesia i wonder what's going on kind of thing (laughs) um (laughs) and basically from there for the first half of the game you're really just slowly working your way towards new vegas um by picking up kind of the occasional word of this benny character um gradually making his way towards towards new vegas which is always off in the distance um and then once you get there and you deal with benny you really then get introduced to all of the factions that are viring over hoover dam um and that's when the second half of the game kind of kicks in when you're choosing which faction to work for or perhaps trying to delay that decision as far as you can by working for everyone um and gradually getting to know all of the smaller factions the the satellite players in in the big battle uh and then obviously the game ends with that battle taking place you are a courier hired by the mojave express to deliver a package to the new vegas strip 
what seemed like a simple delivery job has taken a turn for the worse. You got what you were after, so pay up. You're crying in the rain, Pally. <laughs> Guess who's waking up over here? Time to cash out. Will you get it over with? Maybe cons kill people without looking them in the face. But I ain't a fink. Dig? You've made your last delivery, kid. Sorry you got twisted up in this scene. From where you're kneeling must seem like an 18-carat run of bad luck. Truth is, the game was rigged from the start. So um, I wanted to start by talking about Benny, um, a surprising cameo from Matthew Perry, better known as Chandler in the TV show Friends. <laughs> um, I must admit, when I first played the game, even though I knew going in because I was following the news on it, I knew that he was playing a character in the game. Sort of that opening scene being uh, chatted to by Matthew Perry and then to have him <laughs> shoot me in the head just felt extremely <laughs> strange. Uh, I hadn't seen Matthew Perry do anything other than Chandler Bing at that point, so it was just a very, very odd feeling. Um, but impactful and memorable, I must admit. But um, what did you think of, of Benny as a character and, and Matthew Perry's performance? Well, I had no idea until you just said that, that that was Matthew Perry, actually. Oh, wow, okay. <laughs> I did, I've, was... Was Friends big over over in the UK with you guys? Um, yeah, yeah, it was. It was, yeah, yeah. it was a big oh, deal. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know it traveled so well. <laughs> um, oh yeah, yeah. I so I, it's funny. There, I have a lot of actually like uh, I have a lot of criticisms of, of Fallout that that we'll get into as we go. Sure. Despite the fact that I I tend to think this is maybe my favorite Fallout so far as well. Mm. Spoiler there, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, and before I get directly onto Benny, I wanted to say I think I think you nailed it with the the game being split into two halves. It definitely mm. feels like that. Like the moment you step into the Vegas Strip, it feels like a different game has begun. Mm. And uh, I thought that I thought that was pretty interesting. I don't remember the other Fallout's really behaving that way. Certainly no. not Fallout Four. Actually, I don't I don't remember too much of Three, but Four especially. Yeah, Just I mean, fun. I suppose um, Fallout Three to a certain extent you kind of it, the game slightly changes when you first arrive in in kind of downtown dc but that's more of just a geographical change like it's not yeah. so strictly a narrative like shift so yeah it's definitely unique in this one yeah I, I, and as for benny i one of my criticisms of follow is i don't think they really ever have many interesting characters there's there's one that we're going to get onto in a moment that i thought was was much more interesting than mm. than the par for the fallout course but uh yeah, I, I, you know, the game kind of sets up this mysterious shooter as the big bad later on. So I thought it was refreshing from a storytelling perspective that we meet Benny, you know, for some players, maybe not even halfway through, mm -hmm. uh, depending on how much you're doing. And mm -hmm. yeah, I, I mean, I can tell you that I talked him into speaking privately in his suite and then I stealthily killed him and took the platinum chip <laughs> off of his body. Uh 
But yeah, as, in terms of a character, uh, or at least in terms of like his actual personality, I, I didn't see much there, which is, mm. again, how I feel about most of these characters in, in most of the series. But mm. I did appreciate the fact that he's set up as the mysterious big bad that you're chasing for the whole game. And it doesn't take too long. I mean, even even if you play everything and see everything, it's only going to be about halfway, like you said, by the time mm. you actually have your confrontation with him. And then at, at that point, you see that the game's going in a totally different direction. And mm. I guess that's what I appreciate about Benny being used in the story more so than like who he was or anything. I didn't really have much of a feel for who he was other than he had the platinum chip on him. He shot me in the head, so I had no <laughs> problems killing him and taking it back. <laughs> yeah, I, I, and to be honest, I, I, I would mostly agree with you. I don't think Benny's... Um, I, I, he's pretty two-dimensional uh, beyond his kind of uh, intriguing 50s slang and and everything else um and the fact that he's matthew perry of course that, that's really <laughs> yeah but, that's, uh, that's <laughs> <still blowing my> mind. <laughs> yeah um it, but yeah i agree it, it, I, I like stories where you're kept guessing as to who the bad guy is and if there is even a bad guy i, I like the fact that he's kind of a seed that leads to a much bigger conflict a lot of my favorite kind of uh, sci-fi series tend to do similar things where you kind of rather than having a big bad that you've got to fight and then your hero is the chosen one and it's just a to b you know um you're prophesied to take down voldemort or whoever it's going to be yeah. and you know <laughs> that's that's the story and there might be some ups and downs but that's it but i like stories where a group of you know mostly normal people with their own kind of uh, their own motivations, their own possible revenge stories going on, you know everything converges on a certain point, and it's you know whether it's fate or coincidence, all of those things lead to a much bigger escalation of conflict beyond what you're expecting in the first place. Um, and I think that I like Benny for being that kind of seed in the story. You know that that he is. I mean, it's 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 kind of a classic Western thing, you know. It's it's two men chasing each other across the desert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a very cowboy kind of story, um, and the fact that as soon as that's resolved, it's entirely twisted into a much more post-apocalyptic um, kind of uh, big armies going against each other, but at the same time, still kind of retaining that Western style. Um, everyone's fighting over the same waterhole kind of thing um mm-hmm. i think yeah i think he's a very good lead into that and i think i can see i can see where the narrative designers have designed that whole plot kind of calling back to classic westerns and and old west stories um but i agree with you that actually in terms of personality he's just a little bit a little bit weak um and it's it's a running theme as well again again to go back to bethesda as a company i i uh, although this was obviously narratively designed by obsidian they do tend to they do quite often bring in these big name actors to play what turns out to be pretty wooden characters and it seems like a, maybe a little bit of a waste of investment like maybe free up that money <laughs> that you spent <laughs> yeah. getting in someone who is kind of already kind of uh, a kind of fading star <laughs> um and yeah i mean the the Venn diagram of Fallout fans and Matthew Perry fans doesn't seem yeah. chunky enough in the middle, anyways. So it's yeah. like, who, who, what kind of is this even stunt casting? If if no one's impressed by the stunt, like, <laughs> well, exactly. I mean, they they and they've thrown um, 
they've thrown Patrick Stewart and Sean Bean into oblivion and uh, all sorts of stuff like that. And it's, it's something that's always slightly irked me about kind of managing your finances in a way in terms of like, if you didn't chase all that kind of stuff, I mean, obviously it's important for, for marketing and stuff, but it almost seems to me like get a decent voice actor who's been doing voice acting in RPGs and, and animated series for a long time, spend your time working, workshopping with them, how to kind of bring a character out in, in what's effectively an animation. Um, and you might get a little bit more depth and a bit more flavor out of the interactions rather than it just a lot of Bethesda stuff tends to fall a bit flat and a bit wooden because it seems like sometimes that the actors that they bring in to do the voice work aren't necessarily um, people who are used to that kind of interaction um, and used to, you know, basically, effectively, it's a talking head talking at a very silent protagonist and that's quite a hard thing to to kind of engage with unless you've got people that really know what they're doing with it. Um and I think some of the best voice performances that we've seen in games in the last sort of 10 years or so uh, tend to be people who know how to manage that interaction where you're 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 talking to a character in the game, but you're also talking to a silent player watching. And it's not it, quite often you're not really watching conversations take place. You're watching a person talk straight at the screen and then you're <laughs> choosing from dialogue options. You know, it's 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 an awkward thing to do. And I think that Benny in particular highlights how um how difficult that can be to pull off and ultimately although he's more interesting while you don't see him he's more interesting while you're chasing him all yeah, the way around the map yeah, up until new vegas <laughs> and then when you meet him it's kind of like well he just seems like any other petty thug that i've come across so i guess i'll just kill him um, <laughs> that, i was going to ask is that what you did I, I like knowing about other people's like paths through this yeah i mean i've 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 uh, kind of min-maxed this game over the years, so I've done different things. But normally, my my go-to is to do exactly what you did and kind of get into his room and then take what I need and, and <laughs> kill him. So you know, it, it, as I said, it's it's almost. I like the fact that the game changes at that point, but the actual final interaction with Benny is a little bit anticlimactic, I think, um, which is a bit of a shame. It would have been nice if that had been some kind of multi-threaded shootout that took place over over sort of you know the whole of the strip or something like that but you know budgetary restraints as well you know it's they probably couldn't have managed that back then yeah Um, when when i killed him the way i did you know i he you got the the intel that he's not going to want to deal with it in public so you go kind of like uh make him uncomfortable in front of his buddies and then he wants to go do it in private and so you get mm -hmm. him alone nice and easily that way and and then i killed him i you know like i said i even used a silenced pistol and mm. I was kind of playing it like Hitman at that point, if anyone joined mm. us for January's game or has played the Hitman games before. So it was a little bit disappointing to me when there's like no consequence for just murdering him in his room, taking yeah. the platinum chip. And then the game just goes on as though no one ever ventures to his room or wonders where he is. You know, like I, it's a different game. It's I mean, it's a different genre and with different uh, different objectives. But it would have been nice if there was some consequence. But then again, I mean, you can't hide the bodies in this game unless I miss no. something. So, yeah, it's, it was it was just a little jarring to me that I just murder this uh, apparent, like, uh, crime leader of, of some sort, at least. I mean, there are people mm-hmm. much higher up the food chain than him throughout, all throughout the game. But, you know, he had, he had some underlings, and yet I kill this guy in his suite, and none of his underlings go look for him and find his body. Like, it... I don't know. In in a, in a game with so many 
consequences and so many branching paths and everything it would have been nice to to have something like that but but then again that would have to come up frequently it wouldn't just be that one moment in the game that that would be something that runs through the game all the time whenever you're <laughs> dispatching yeah. people like they would yeah but maybe a future follow maybe that's too advanced right now and and the game does a million other things too so it's kind of a jack of all trades thing and maybe it can't always master everything although it does i do think it masters one thing but i think we'll get onto that later <laughs> yeah and i think um it comes down to i think bethesda has always tried to put its expansiveness and its kind of law building first and foremost in terms of what it's designing and i think that you know we'll get to the gameplay later but you know things like how enemies react to you being stealthy or you know the the chain of consequences from you uh stealthily killing someone in the room is just it's not at the time it certainly it wasn't very high up on their list of priorities you know their priority yeah. was to make this thing as big as possible to put to shove as many unique dungeons in as possible that had all sorts of different stories so i, I would agree based on what i've played recently in, in terms of things like hitman and stuff it does feel a little bit too um light touch in terms of how how the actual gameplay consequences um unfold but thinking back to the time in the context of the time that that you know bethesda are really just doing exactly what they 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 intended to do which is just yeah. you know you make that decision it's happened okay now he's dead and now you move on it's not um it's not quite as uh fluid and dynamic as as perhaps we're starting to get used to with 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 uh games like uh, hitman or the witcher or, or something like that but um yeah so just so you know mark i don't, I don't know if you you'd found this out but if you hadn't killed benny in the room um basically if he gets away he ends up trying to sneak into caesar's camp um and when you have your talk with caesar um later on in the game benny's there and he's been um captured and basically gets killed then anyway no matter what you do i mean Mm. there is a very slight chance that he can escape if you play things a certain way but actually the game um i think they cut out the part where you even meet him again even if he does manage to escape caesar so even if he escapes that that when he's captured you you never see him in the game again anyway he just disappears so hmm. i kind of think that the more narratively satisfying thing to do is is what you did um and what i did so uh, that's probably subconsciously why i did that again this time around when i played it so hmm. you probably got the best of benny that you're gonna get <laughs> um but yeah so let's move on to mr house who i think is probably the, the second most interesting character in the game and and Uh, certainly a big player in everything that unfolds after you've uh, dealt with Benny. New Vegas is more than a city. It's the remedy to mankind's derailment. The city's economy is a blast furnace in which can be forged the steel of a new rail line running straight to a new horizon. What is the NCO? A society of people desperate to experience comfort, ease, luxury, a society of customers. With all that money pouring in? Give me 20 years and I'll reignite the high technology development sectors. 50 years and I'll have people in orbit. 100 years and my colony ships will be heading for the stars to search for planets unpolluted by the wrath and folly of a bygone generation. So he styles himself as the saviour of New Vegas. He's an autocrat who's survived some 200 years through integrating with machines. He's 
ruled over Vegas with a fairly iron fist. I mean, he basically runs it like the Vegas that was. He, you know, anyone's allowed in to gamble, um, to do what they want, but they have to kind of obey certain rules and conditions. Um, and he owns all of the Securitrons that roam around the place. Um, so, and it's basically a kind of, not lawless, but it's a shoot on site kind of situation. You know, if you mm-hmm. wrong anyone on the Vegas Strip, then, you know, you're not getting arrested and put on fair trial as you might in the NCR, but uh, you're just getting shot down in the street. So there's a certain amount of civilization going on, but there's also a certain amount of barbarism. And I think that makes his character more interesting because he still kind of acts like uh, a businessman of sort of the height of civilization. I mean, a businessman as you might kind of find nowadays. Um, and the, I find it interesting that his view of how the world should work is kind of at odds with what's happened to the world. Um, and some of his kind of very assured and confident ways of speaking, I think, kind of turns me against him uh, a lot of the time but we'll get on to what I eventually decided to do but um, <laughs> Mark how, what did you think of House as a character uh, how did you uh, how did you interact with him and what did you think yeah my my initial read on him was that he wasn't going to be a hero of the story and mm. ultimately I mean I'll just say it now ultimately I oh, I won't give away the whole ending I guess I can I can keep that in my pocket but I did eventually kill mr house uh Hmm. and unlike benny i do wonder if that was the right move or not and i i can't quite figure out why i i'm well with benny it was pretty simple but i don't i don't know why i i feel more ambiguous regarding (laughs) mr house um i think it's and i guess this inches closer to ending talk but I, i guess it's because you know of all the different factions you can join uh there, there are almost no. I mean, I mean, there certainly aren't any true heroes. There, there are no white knights in this game, mm. and, uh, and and you know, in that regard, Mister Mister House certainly wasn't one either. And he he seemed like like he wanted. I mean, like you said, as though he's almost like a a private businessman version of of a dictator you know, who's who's mm-hmm. ruling through like his his wealth and through his power with all of his his robot army basically and <laughs> so i i don't know so i i i shouldn't feel remorseful and i i most <laughs> i mostly don't but i i guess because of the way he looks when you actually meet him face to face down in uh in like his lair there on, underneath his his casino and hmm. uh, if i i imagine maybe can you beat this game without ever seeing him i guess you probably could huh yeah yeah if you side with him all the way through um you won't You'll see never him. actually see him yeah mm. i think that's the only way though i think everyone every, every other faction eventually tells you to get rid of him so okay, yeah yeah that makes sense <laughs> no one wants that guy around no but uh yeah so for anyone who maybe didn't see him i mean he's he's strapped into a machine that seems to be the only thing keeping him alive and yeah he's he would otherwise is he is he does he still age do you know does the lore say he's like aging constantly just but like living through it because of his machines or has he stopped aging i'm not sure i think i think that i think that he might be ageless now but i think that the in the years after the initial bombs fell i think that it took its toll on yeah. him then um and then he eventually managed to kind of strap himself in i think i think that's i think that's why he looks so kind of 
ancient and decrepit yeah. and yet clearly isn't isn't 200 years old worth of age because otherwise he'd be a skeleton but you know i think i think that what the implication that i always thought was that it might have taken him sort of a decade or so to actually get things back up and running um so that's kind of the age that he went in um but yeah i'm not really yeah, sure I mean, to be he- honest ultimately what i'm saying is he he looks to be about 115 years old and to, to just mm. stroll down there and kill him uh just aesthetically it doesn't look uh it's not a good look for for the player character i guess but when, when no. you when you or at least for me when i recall everything he had planned and the way by which he preferred to rule and i mean just in general he, he was a very shady character and so i shouldn't feel conflicted and, and yet more so than benny i did and i'm still not exactly sure why although ultimately i i like my <laughs> my ending choices and i like where i ended up and i really appreciate the way that the game doesn't uh like i said doesn't doesn't make anyone out to be like the correct hero answer that you're supposed to choose if you're playing such a path um but I'm, I'm sure yeah. we'll get into that more. Yeah, and and I might as well show my hand now as well. I I, I killed Mr. House this time around, and I wasn't sure because I've seen all the endings before. I wasn't sure. I was intrigued to see which way I went this time because I think when I first played this game, I sided with House all the way to the end, um, and I didn't feel you know I felt like that was a fairly molot- uh, morally right choice as much as you can in this game. Um, but this time around, just. I don't know if it was because I was role-playing a character that was a little bit more of a loose cannon or whether I've genuinely kind of changed in terms of my philosophical outlook Mm -hmm. myself, but just the way he was talking was just rubbing me up the wrong way. I don't normally make decisions in games like this based on someone just really ticking me off but <laughs> just i just eventually i i think it was partly because you've got this he and and this is why he's so well written i think he talks so kind of grandiosely about what he's built and what he's managed to craft in vegas um as though it's better than the outside but when he sends you to go check up on the three families and you see how twisted and corrupt at least two of them are you know the emerters have um if you explore the rooms upstairs there are prostitutes dead mm-hmm. in torture chambers and if you go into the white oh, love yeah. society there are a bunch <laughs> of cannibals and and to go back to him after that and to have him say all this stuff about you know how glamorous everything is inside the uh kind of sphere of vegas compared to the outside and and me having met sort of slightly more uh morally centered gangs essentially like the boomers and the uh the great khans in particular you know they 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 really seem like old west kind of uh factions you know that that have some kind of moral center even if it's slightly misguided then to go back to him and for him to say you know you need to get rid of these guys you need to get rid of the brotherhood of steel um because i know what i'm doing and and it's my way or the highway i just eventually i was just like you know what and very impulsively in <laughs> fact it's uh, probably the most impulsive i've been in a game that gives you a, a decision like this because normally i you know i'm angsty over it for for ages i just turned and shot the first security i saw took them all out and just just went straight downstairs and um 
and got rid of him. Mm. Um, so it was a surprisingly emotional kind of reaction for me this time, <laughs> rather than kind of a measured intellectual response. So yeah, then then it kind of left me wondering, right, well, now who do I side with? Because I've killed one of them in a bit of a rage. Uh, um, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah, that's cool role-playing though. I like yeah, that. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's it's nice to do that. And obviously I've got the advantage of, of knowing a certain amount of what's going to happen. So I can, I can kind of retroactively to kind of decide what kind of role I'm going to play this time around, which is something I did eventually in games like Mass Effect. You know, once you kind of know the game well enough and replay it again, you can start to craft a character and and have a certain sense of the limitations of the game and therefore the limitations you can put on the character you're building. So I definitely went in, as I said, with more of a loose cannon kind of do what I think is right, except when something really annoys me, I am just going to kind of go for it (laughs) Um, and yeah it kind of led to quite a different experience so but I'm glad that I think the main the point to make about House is that clearly from from the forums a lot of people sided with him and 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 kind of figured that he had the best ending a lot of people sided with the NCR would obviously get on to who we eventually sided with but everyone had a different opinion of his character and you know whether he was morally good or not and I think compared to a lot of uh, potential antagonists that we've seen in games that we've played on playlist it's nice to see a character that is has been thought out so well in terms of the range of responses you might get from different players bringing different kind of baggage into the game with them so I think that's probably why he stands out as as, as the, probably the most impressive character for me I'd say in this game as a whole yeah he's he was who I was referring to when we were talking about Benny, and I said there is a different character that we'll get onto, and it, mm. it was it was him that I was thinking is is much better written. Yeah, and uh, I suppose it's it's worth bringing in the two other major factions in the final conflict, and 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 see how you thought about those. So you've got the um, you've got Caesar's Legion, who are as I said earlier, basically just a a slave army. It's a it's a brutal alliance of various. Uh, gangs that have that have kind of joined up and and spread out across across the American landscape and, and just keep uh, pillaging and taking no prisoners and turning people into slaves and forming an army out of them. Uh, they don't really have any of all the factions in this game. They don't really have any any moral. Uh, rightness about them. I think some people uh, have said, and certainly in the forums, they've said that you know there are certain people within that structure who are arguing for the fact that you know this is a brutal new world and we're just you know we're reshaping it in the way it needs to be. But it's all a little <laughs> bit megalomaniacal. It's not really based on any rational mm. thought. And so I thought it was interesting that they built, they didn't build any totally good factions, but they basically built a totally evil faction. Which, to be honest, a lot of games like this, like. Uh, I would say something like Mass Effect, for example, in terms of the choices you can make. If you're making the bad choices, it's normally that you're being a renegade and yeah. um, you might be making morally bad choices, but you're working to, you're always working towards a greater yeah, good. Kind of the loose cannon good guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but if you side with the Legion in this game, you're just out and out evil. Like there's, there's for me, from my perspective, there's no reason when you've got so many different choices of who you can side with, decide with the guys who are uh, crucifying people in the streets <laughs> and enslaving everyone they come across. You know, there's no, there's no going back from that. And I think that almost makes them a more interesting choice than, than a lot of 
sort of half bad guys that you might find in other in other games because you can just choose to be as evil as you possibly could be i think by by siding with them yeah i i I totally agree about caesar's legion i actually again with the way this these sorts of games these fallout games play i don't know how early i could have bumped into them i felt like i i actually met these people face to face pretty late in the game um because i just hadn't Mm. done any of the specific missions that bring me right to their doorstep for a while and then only towards the end do other people start sending you that way anyways uh Mm. but yeah it's pretty it's clear pretty quickly that they're not the ones to side with i and i do wonder i don't know if we had anybody in the forums that that said they did choose them but i I wonder what their justification is because some people just play as the villain just because they can and that, and that's fine and that that doesn't have to mm-hmm. uh be an indictment on their character outside of video games that that's you know that's just maybe how <laughs> they wanted to role play that time or or maybe that's even their their own personal canon and they've only played it once and that all works for me that's that's fine but for those that I I wonder and if we didn't have them in our forums they certainly exist in in a, a player base of like you know around the whole globe i'm sure some people pick them and Mm. i wonder just why i guess (laughs) because yeah there's like you said they have no redeeming qualities they're 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 an army of slaves (laughs) led by a tyrant and if you're not going to pick them just because you're screwing around being the bad guy in that playthrough uh Mm. I, I would be really curious to hear what what people's justification is because uh yeah I, i'm I'm trying not to i know you want to talk about the ending in a few minutes so i'm i'm, I'm still trying not to give away my ending but I mean, <laughs> yeah we're inching closer <laughs> to, to uh to where which path i did choose yeah but it's certainly not caesar's legion i i uh i allied with them only on one mission i think it was when because i was already i already knew i was opposed to mm. mr house and they wanted me. I think it's. I think it's Caesar's Legion that sends me mm. to destroy, uh, whatever it was. Like his secret layers is beneath their uh, settlement, basically. If you remember that one. Yeah. So I allied with them for that. But then as soon as that ended, uh, I think you have the option to be like, was or I guess it was Caesar, huh? The the main. It wasn't just like an homage. Yeah, the bold guy. Yeah, yeah he even called himself Caesar. He he starts trying to. Ex- hand me out more quests and i told him like now nah, i'm done working for you and i thought it was going to erupt into violence right then and there but he actually just says like all right well get the hell out of here then i don't want to see you again so <laughs> I, I managed to uh <laughs> managed to avoid conflict in that one moment although yeah obviously later it comes to a head yeah i mean i yeah just to i i basically as soon as i had reason to go to the fort and to meet him i just shot him um, immediately, because I just thought, well, I, I, again, I was role playing this character quite heavily by this point, and um, hmm. and I, yeah, I just figured that I was the kind of maniac, uh, overpowered, overbeefed, um, super soldier kind of character who was, a, but also a, a lone gunman kind of guy who would get into that kind of conflict and just think, okay, well, you're a very bad guy and i have a gun and i think i can take you guys so um i'm just gonna end this here now so this is probably because i've been reading <laughs> i've been reading the expanse and there's a character uh, <laughs> amos in that who is who is very much that kind of character and i, cool. I think that maybe i was role-playing him in this game this time um so which was nice for me because as i said i, I normally play the kind of rational sneaky 
kind of diplomatic. Uh, yeah, that's guy. exactly who I always play these games. Yeah, with. Exactly. I was going to ask you about your build. That's yeah, yeah. So that's that. I, th- I think that in most games we we're probably very similar in that way that we we kind of try and play play the way that gives us the most options and certainly the most options that don't include violence. Um, I I would say on the whole, I don't know if you would agree with that. Yeah, I. Uh... Again, I'm not. I'm not sure how much I'm supposed to give away about the ending, but I think I already revealed <laughs> that I'm not fighting for Caesar's Legion at the end. I'm fighting against them in the final mission, and because my speech was at a hundred, I was able to avoid that final conflict. Uh, no, not the whole conflict, yeah. but there's a one final showdown with one of the higher like centurion guys or whatever yeah. <laughs> whatever rank he had and you can just talk your way out of it entirely and i love that about yeah this game that that's something that it like i said fallout does reward you for that sort of stuff it it never feels like you're mm. playing incorrectly even even though two playthroughs could be vastly different and i'm sure you saw a ton that i didn't well certainly you specifically have seen a ton i didn't see because you played it so many times now anyways but even on your even your first playthrough <laughs> compared to mine i bet you saw more than me and yeah like i said before sometimes i wonder like did i do this right but the game's constantly reinforcing like yeah it's it's right if if it feels right for you and for me to get to the end and and just talk my way out of fighting that last guy, which I've heard is a pretty tough battle if you do go uh, the violent route. Mm. So I was happy to have mm. my speech up to a hundred long before then. Really, that's like the first thing I always max out. I and in all these sorts of games, I love talking my way out of stuff. <laughs> yeah, and and I know, uh, just as quick sidebar, but I know you haven't played the DLC yet, but there is there is a. Uh one boss in in one of those and it's actually an achievement for doing this way but you can effectively trick the final boss in one of the dlcs into uh dooming himself rather than (laughs) fighting him which which i think you'll enjoy so if you ever get a chance to go back to that that'd be worth doing that was in um in dead money Um, oh okay yeah 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 so the very end of that you can you can do a similar thing which which i did on this playthrough so so there's still (laughs) a little bit of that in me i'm not just an all-out violent brute but um Let's uh, let's put you out of your misery and, and move on to the to the final conflict for now, and we'll we'll, we'll come back over some of the other kind of side parts to the story uh, in a bit. But <laughs> yeah, let's let, let's talk about it because we've talked about everyone now who's involved in that final conflict. So, who did you choose, Mark? Who did you side with at the very end? Well, I'll, I'll tell you who I chose, and then when you tell me who you chose, because you've played it so many times, I'm curious which one is like your official canon in your own head. Okay, that's. Yeah, that's the one I want to know. Maybe, maybe not necessarily this okay. one, unless that's unless that's also that. But yeah, I chose <laughs> uh, pretty early on. I decided that the NCR was was the most trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any interest in in ruling over the place myself. Mister House was out pretty quickly for me, even though, as I said, I was conflicted. And yeah, the Legion was was never going to be an option for me. So I sided with the NCR, and I felt mostly okay with that, except. Uh, when they, I mean, at one point they had me go eliminate the Brotherhood of Steel, mm. and knowing the Brotherhood of Steel from other games, I never saw them as really the bad guys. I mean, I, I might mm. be missing again some story content and s- some subtleties of, of what they're up to, but um, they mostly seemed like generally good people. And you mm. can you can show me how how wrong I am in a moment if 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 so. But <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I I was uncomfortable with that. But at that point I was like already 
fully involved with the NCR that there was there was like no turning back as as mm. as best I could tell. Maybe I could have still done the wild card route, but I wasn't interested in that. For for me, the the NCR was the closest thing to Law and Order in this world that desperately needed it. Or, mm. but then again. You know, you might tell me or other people might tell me, well, no, screw law and order. That world's dead. You know, that like you, you said it before with the Legion and, and Walking Dead, the comics, and, and more poorly in the show, that that theme is dealt with as well. Mm-hmm. And so I, I could see people making that argument as well. But for me, I was trying to reestablish some semblance of law and order. And I guess the NCR, I mean, I think, I think it's obvious the NCR does that, except unless... Uh, Maybe the wild card route does that better, but I don't know what that had in store for me. So I, I didn't mm-hmm. want to like singularly rule over the land like that. And, but yeah, it does get complicated later on. Like, like we said, there's, there are no wholly good factions in this game. And you hear stories mm-hmm. of how the NCR, are like, like, I think it was some faction, I forget who, like they had surrendered to the NCR, but they wiped them out anyways. And I was like, oh, Jesus, you're telling me all this now? Like, I was like in too deep with them at that point. I couldn't, <laughs> couldn't go back. But there was, but then again, there was no one to go back to, I felt. Like, ultimately, I'm happy with that choice. And yeah, so so ultimately, I, I chose them and I'm comfortable with it. And despite other factions warning me of the threats of martial law and and how they were going to be a, a tyrannical government regime, I... I didn't see enough evidence. I saw I saw evidence of some negative players involved in their in their faction, but ultimately it seemed like they were the best option in a laundry list of of mm. mostly bad options, I guess. <laughs> Is that I'm curious how are you Yeah, so I um this time around I I went the wild card route. So um hmm. I again, I mean, it's it made the most sense as for the character I was kind of role playing anyway. Um, right. Yeah. That you know, if he's taken out house because he represents a snooty part of the old world that brought about this kind of this Holocaust in the first place, and Caesar's not the right route either, then the NCR equally represent a certain type of authority from the old world that. While it brings law and order, it might be a little bit complacent and a little bit, um, a little bit just trying to regain something that we had before that, that ultimately was the kind of government that led to the war in the first place. So I, I kind of played him as someone who, who would have probably sided with House if he hadn't got so upset by him. <laughs> you know, um, I think that the idea of, of, of giving the NCR an independent state on their doorstep to kind of almost keep them in check and stop them getting too arrogant and too sort of like, yeah, it's fine. We've, we've solved the, the, the Holocaust basically. We've, we've, we, we're establishing the same world order that, that was here before. Um, I think that to have, have this independent state kind of, uh, doing their own thing but doing it relatively peacefully and relatively uh morally centered would be um an interesting thing to play off against the ncr and now that i think about it i think that is still my preferred ending overall i think hmm. that narratively for me i think one of the things i like about this game so much is that there's there's 
sort of the old west kind of as i said earlier the, the western themes of the game where you know you've got um these communities struggling for independence against a a, a government that's slowly creeping its way across the landscape you know that's very much what a lot of um, my favorite kind of western stories like deadwood were were based around was the idea of these people trying to kind of create their own their own sort of law and their own sort of order um but increasingly finding themselves um sort of taken over by the same old powers that they were used to when they you know before they migrated over to the west and um I think what I like about Wildcard is that it merges that kind of Western spirit of independence with also the kind of casino heist kind of vibe that you get when you're actually walking around the strip. So the kind of Rat Pack, Ocean's Eleven kind of uh, uh, vibe that's going on underneath a lot of the the kind of quest lines that you're doing. Everything's kind of, a lot of it's couched in kind of daring heists and and double crossing people and uh, kind of stealing from the man kind of thing. And it, it kind of made it makes the most um it gives me the most kind of narrative pleasure to kind of play everyone off against each other in kind of almost a very um vegas kind of way you know like it's certainly the spirit of vegas as as you see in like movies that were set there in in like sort of the the 50s and 60s you know it's it was the most satisfying to me to see that this one guy who starts off fairly inconsequential um, is basically just on a mission for revenge to try and track down the person who shot him um, to become the most powerful person in the whole conflict just through chance and through taking the opportunity that was given to them right at the right moment, you know, basically doing exactly what Benny never managed to do, which is be at the right place at the right time and also have the kind of stones and the the confidence and the canniness to make the most of it that just seemed thematically the best ending for me and mm. kind of leaving everything still in a bit of a mess but but slightly more divorced from the old world way of thinking thanks to kind of Mr House being put down and um and the NCR being kept at bay you know they're they're still existing but they're not expanding so quickly you know they're they're having to learn a hard lesson early on before they expand across the whole of the the US that not everyone's going to back down with, um and you know they might not back down through smarts rather than just through pure aggression like Caesar Caesar did so yeah i think i think that just for me it just it worked this time around from a role playing perspective but i think just for me narratively as well it might not be the best moral option i guess if i really had to think about it i guess the ncr would still win out but for me it just everything that i'd kind of played up until that point and everything i understood about the fallout universe by that point as well just it just felt right to me to kind of tie things up um, in the most kind of thematically appropriate way possible mm. for for the narrative that played out up to that point. Yeah, that's uh, you make a good pitch for it. It <laughs> it it, uh, it reads well, I guess you could say it, or it it, it sounds it sounds right when when you say it back like that. But mm. uh, yeah, I guess I still you know ultimately I'm I'm still happy with my NCR pick, mm-hmm. and even even admitting that. You know all all the problems you said that could have or already would have. Uh, I guess I don't I don't know if I was imbuing my role playing with like some out of game sentiments, mm-hmm. but I just wanted to return 
to a world that like made more sense i guess (laughs) if we can make some allusions to current politics both uh, both in your part of the world and in mine i just uh there was something um enticing something uh desirable about just having people that seem generally good Mm -hmm. uh you know there was there were some there were some bad actors among them but you know generally they, they were people that that meant well and that they made sense and uh, when they had to do the wrong thing, like I think enough of them were conflicted, and I just wanted to to bring the Fallout world back to back to a place where things made a bit more sense and were, were a bit more uh, lawful and and reasonable, I guess. Like I, I, I saw the NCR as 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 possessing the most ability to reason among all of them, and that that was important to me. And yeah, maybe. I think narratively yours yours makes a lot of sense and mm. and even when you're talking about things like taking chance and opportunity and that how thematically that that all is just so perfect with like gambling mm. in Vegas and it's just that's that's you know I think that's deliberate on the on the behalf of Obsidian and it's great that you picked up on that mm. and uh, but yeah for me may, maybe I imbued my playthrough too much with with some external uh, desires <laughs> well I, to be honest i think it's hard to you know in a game that's got so many different political sides to it that you can choose from i think it's hard to not bring some of that in i i don't think it's a coincidence that we both uh took down the autocrat that thought that he was the one that should have had the keys to all the power in the region uh quite so quickly um but yeah. we won't get too far into yeah. that but yeah that's a it didn't surprise me that we both made that decision pretty quick but um but yeah just to kind of give a flavor of 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 how divided the community actually is on, on this actually quite a lot of um quite a lot of people seem to side with mr house quite a few people sided with the ncr i think those are the two seen as the two most kind of morally correct uh, options which is interesting in itself because they're they're quite different um it, well it makes sense from for at least among i can't speak to politics over there too much mm-hmm. besides um what, what we pick up over here but in america that it's there's always the constant divide of of private industry versus government sure. and and oversight and regulation and uh you know where where you fall politically outside of fallout mm. I, I bet often did help paint uh, how you felt about this game. I'm sure tons of um, libertarians playing this game probably did side with Mr. House because <laughs> they saw him as going the right way. And then there were some other mushy liberals that probably have too much <laughs> trust in, in a government to be functional like me that uh, that went with the NCR. And who, yeah, it's, that's it. That checks out, at least among American players over here. That's a constant divide in this country of how much say does does each side get and can the market self-regulate and all that sort of stuff and <laughs> that's interesting we can get onto that if we ever do bioshock as sure, well but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll save that for the bioshock episode but yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting because that almost then paints me as an anarchist which really isn't how i yeah. paint myself but that's interesting yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll chew on that but um, <laughs> but yeah so just to give a flavor of, of some of the conversations that were going on in the forums um ghost maker mk3 uh was one of our first posters if not the first poster in the spoiler thread um and he just said which ending makes the most sense and why is it siding with mr house so <laughs> uh and then um zoidberg 1339 followed up with uh responded to the, the same comment saying truth the ncr are overextended and hamstrung by incompetence the legion are needlessly cruel and held together only by caesar 
an independent Vegas is weak and isolated, a good karma Mr. House ending where you deal with the powder gangers and carefully resolve the free side and NCR conflict is about as good as you can possibly leave things. But then time and the long, uh, responded to that and a few other people kind of saying that the either house or the NCR were, were the best bets. Um, he came in saying, why are you all, why are all of you so stuck on being goody two shoes? Be the nightmare of the wasteland. Take whatever you want. The weak are prey, but you are strong. You can be nice at times, but only out of self-interest in what it provides for you. So I think we can wow. see where Timon <laughs> went, although I, I, I don't know, actually, I don't think he said anywhere in forums, but it'd be interesting even then I, I assume that he wouldn't go with Caesar. And this was something that I, I meant to bring up earlier that when you're talking about the kind of person who would choose Caesar, I think the reason why it's so difficult to imagine is because I think that anyone who was potentially kind of playing as a morally corrupt player of any sort, and certainly someone who's just trying to grab power still wouldn't side with Caesar because you'd have to do all of the bad things, but still be kowtowing to someone else. Yeah. You're still bending the knee to someone. Exactly. So why aren't you just, Taking, chopping off that head as well <laughs> exactly why aren't you just shooting everyone whenever you can so which i suspect yeah. <laughs> is what timon's talking about there um but yeah maybe he'll maybe he'll comment on this to, to tell us he was actually a loyal legionist but um uh, I, I think not but um i just wanted to bring in uh spiral gamer pro made a comment as well uh which which i think is a, a good kind of roundup of of this part of the narrative of, of Fallout New Vegas. Um, and they wrote, well, without spoiling anything, I think the reason New Vegas's story works better is the open-ended nature and lack of immediacy within the, within the narrative. With Fallout 3, I felt pressured to just do all the main quests since it just makes sense given the story. But I learned afterwards that that is the far from the ideal way to play Fallout and I've since found it difficult to get back into 3. On the other hand, New Vegas has like three main quests and then another four or five, depending on which faction you choose to align with. The lack of immediacy, since it's about reaching a larger goal rather than an immediate one, allows the player to approach the game however they may please, and it encourages exploration and side quests. Also, the writing is far better, especially in, uh, and he mentions um, some of the DLC Um but I found New Vegas significantly better than three, which in turn means that it's probably astronomically better than four, which I assume he hasn't played four yet. <laughs> but um, that kind of brings me on to one other general point I wanted to make about the, uh, the not necessarily just the ending, but the whole um, way that kind of choice and um, the different sort of mini factions within the game kind of works out. I think that the reason why this game sticks with me more than, than, a lot of RPGs and certainly other Fallout games is because the game kind of um, it kind of tricks you into thinking that there's a lot of um, there's a lot of things going on that are going to make a lot of difference um, and actually a lot of what you have to do for the uh, central four factions at the end of the game when they, they're telling you to go to the boomers to the Khans to deal with the Brotherhood of Steel and, and whoever you can actually just turn around and say nah I, I don't need to I don't need to deal with those guys. I've, I've I've seen them, and I think that they can be ignored. But I think the majority of players would go and and get involved in all of those factions' internal politics, and you know, deal with all the side quests that they're asking them to do. And I think that's a clever structure because it allows the freedom to just say, "Nah, I don't want to deal with all that." But I think it kind of gently guides everyone towards seeing a lot more of the world than they otherwise would. Um, 
without having to make them just go, hey, the world's your oyster, go where you want, because that can be a bit overwhelming. I think that the structure of it to, to kind of say, now you're going to go talk to the great Khans and now you're going to learn all about their history and now you're going to talk to the boomers and see what they're up to. It exposes you to a lot of the political landscape and, and makes you think that you need to get embroiled in all of this kind of, all, all these different factions and try and resolve what's going on there. Um when it's not actually entirely necessary and I think I think that's a clever way to do it because you don't lose any of the freedom you want to give people but at the same time you're you're on the whole you're probably encouraging you know 80 or 90 percent of players to to actually bother to go into all of those those side conflicts and I think a lot of those um smaller factions are quite interesting I think that some of my favorite interactions in the game um tended to be when I went and spoke to, you know, the Brotherhood of Steel or, or the Great Khans or whoever. And I was interested to see whether there was a particularly memorable sort of smaller faction that that, that you liked, Mark, or whether you found that you you didn't really get invested in any of those kind of side quests that happen after you first get to the Strip. Yeah, I, so I was going to bring this up uh, when we were talking about the ending, but now it now works as well. So at the end, whatever you decide, it plays like a long cutscene where where representatives from each faction kind of talk about what happened next, you know, after the credits, basically. And I found it interesting. Again, work the way this the way this game works and how it kind of just says, "You tell us what's enough." Uh, that it was showing me epilogues for factions that I hardly knew at all, you know, <laughs> and. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I remember, it it told me what happened to the fiends after after my choices were made and after the credits rolled, and I was like, I only ever saw the fiends as like random enemies in the in the open world. Like I I hardly interacted with them at all, and uh, so I I guess that's when I kind of w- worry that maybe I've played incorrectly. Uh, but no, like I said, no, I think, you haven't. <laughs> yeah, I I think I think ultimately, yeah, like I said, maybe. Uh, the game is is fine with me doing that and maybe maybe you mean that the fiends are, are uninvolved anyways is that what you were going to say that they're pointless no orders? i think i think uh no i was going to say that i think that that's deliberate on bethesda's part because i think the idea is that even though you've got this massive world that you could before the ending you could spend hundreds and hundreds of hours in i think i think that they're preparing for people to have played it relatively normally like like you did in terms of you know engaging with what you feel like engaging and then getting through to the end yeah and i think they wanted to say Are you tempted to play again now because look at what happened to all these guys that you didn't see mm-hmm. and i think i think that was part of the the point of those slides at the end i mean even though i i know how these games work and i i felt like i'd exhausted a lot of the options um i've never got to the end of a of a fallout game and and actually understood all of the things that were playing out at the end because there's always something that i didn't see just by purely by chance you know something that i didn't really interact with or or something i did interact with that i didn't really understand what the consequences were so i don't think um i certainly don't think you're playing it the wrong way i think you're playing it actually the 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 way most people play it. <laughs> okay yeah because yeah that was a long cutscene at the end and i did appreciate that uh you know even small side missions like one-off there was like a faction of I think there were NCR troops and they were they they were kind of like the the screw up squad you know it was a bunch of like cast offs from like failed attempted NCR soldiers that like weren't any good they bunched them all together uh, and mm-hmm. put them in like the same like squad and uh, it even told me what happened to them next I, I forget what they were called but they're 
but that was like like a one-off mission that I just happened to pass through their camp. And you know how when you get to a new place, anybody who has like a specific name, you you know that they've got like a story to tell or missions to hand out. <laughs> so yeah. I, I happened to talk to one of those guys and he gave me that, he gave me a mission and I solved it all then and there within a few minutes just using my, my speech checks. And uh, But at the mm-hmm. end, the game still came back and told me what, what became of, of these these formerly failure failed uh soldiers who kind of like turned things yeah. around and found their camaraderie and became a uh, a more reliable uh camp of soldiers basically but but yeah i also want to say as as i said at the top of the show that like both fallout 3 and fallout 4 they kind of kind of sputtered to the finish line uh fallout 3 i never even saw the finish line fallout 4 i went back like two and a half years later just just to get to it for this show specifically so i could have seen a different ending other than this one uh this one kind of did that for me too like i think what you said about the two halves of the game is is spot on and once you get to the actual vegas strip it becomes a totally different experience and when i first arrived at new vegas like the world had opened up so in such a grand way and i was that's when i really was starting to to not fall in love with this game but appreciate it to an extent I, I didn't expect mm. you know i i figured if well sam I, I knew you really liked this game as your favorite follow and i said well sam really likes it that's interesting to me maybe maybe i'm gonna like it much better than the others and when i got to the vegas strip i did feel that way and then towards the end i started to to lose not not interest in it but i i started to lose some of my well i guess it's just a synonym so maybe interest but i lost some enthusiasm for it and <laughs> but it wasn't exactly for the same reasons as why three and four kind of lost me at the end and in this case i think i told you elsewhere that the i was doing the white glove society missions when i was trying to expose them as cannibals mm-hmm. and i through my own fault i basically saved at an inopportune moment that made it so i couldn't finish the mm. white glove missions non-violently in like the the speech check heavy way that i like to do these missions whenever possible and at that point it, it had like almost like tainted my save my my save data my version of the playthrough like from then on my story was no mm. longer my story as intended you know and with with a game that's so i think it's so excellent at letting you role play and and the moment to moment choice making and all that and I was enjoying that so thoroughly and again it's through my own fault the way I saved it basically I saved like right before someone spotted me as an intruder so then every time I reloaded that save there was no way around having to ruin that quest for myself and uh so from then on it just felt like there was always an asterisk next to my playthrough and my my version of the story and so that that kind of hurt me and I I don't know I I, I guess I'm just blaming myself <laughs> but that's i i, I <laughs> it was still ultimately responsible for me kind of uh trailing off at the end but yeah it's i mean because I, I really like the white glove storyline I, I like how creepy they are like when you first get to vegas everyone tells you about how creepy they are and then mm. uh, i finally went and met them i'm like wow <laughs> the rumors are true these people are creeping me out they're all like <laughs> they're very uh it's almost like Bioshock Infinite in a way where everyone's like all smiles, but you know, there's, there's like a seedy underbelly to it and you don't know just how bad it gets until, until you figure it out. And just in trying to expose it, I ruined it for myself. And at that point I just tainted my whole story, even though it 
shouldn't really taint that much of it but for me it did i don't know if you've ever done anything like that screwed yeah. it up for yourself in such a way that <laughs> oh, well, i mean definitely with bethesda games and i think that's that's kind of you know i don't really want you to blame yourself for, for the way things turned out because i think that actually <laughs> it is i mean bethesda games are obviously notoriously buggy and, and i know that's not a bug that you experience but i think even for me as someone who's a bit of an apologist for some of their work it gets a little bit exhausting um, after a while to not just deal with the scope of what you can possibly do and, and um, the amount that can go wrong but some of those little things like you know the auto save or the, the the save override just happening at the wrong moment it's it's something that yeah you get in a lot of games but you really it can happen at any time in in a Bethesda game like this because there's so much going on and so much that's just kind of AI kind of freaking out or you know you've gone through a door that you didn't really know was going to auto save and now it's auto saved and actually oh wait hang on did i make a separate save no i didn't oh damn okay either i go back three hours or or you know that's it and and i think that the the sheer weight and volume of all of that building up over time i certainly find that there's there's no single bethesda game where i've truly been in love with the ending because i think everyone has a point where they're just like i think i'm just gonna have to push through to the end now because I'm starting to yeah. feel a little bit <laughs> overwhelmed by all this and 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 that's a shame and it's and it's always been something for me that I've I, you know I can put in my personal top 10 I can put Bethesda games but as a as a critic of sorts I can't really put them right at the top because even I with all of my love for them have had plenty of times where I'm like you know what I I'm done now. I'm just going to have to leave this because, or, you know, or just push through to the end and, and kind of, and give up all of this careful role playing that I've been doing because the game has, has either failed me through a bug or just, just the technicalities of trying to keep track of what I'm doing and making some, you know, it pulls you out of the, pulls you out of the immersion to suddenly realize that, that everything you've role played up to that point has been ruined by uh, an incorrect save. You know, it's it's a very kind yeah. of anticlimactic way to be like, oh, okay, right now I'm no longer this character that I was building up. I am a person playing a game who's made a mistake, and now I have to to either at this late stage completely rethink my, you know, re-roll my character essentially, or just go, okay, I'm just going to play this as a game and and get to the end. So I can definitely see where you're coming from, um, and it's it's certainly not. I don't think that's a, a fault on your part. I think that the the kind of people that really get nerdy about this kind of thing have so many fail safes um, that it's it's almost a, a a different kind of hobby on its own to be like so invested in in what Bethesda are trying to provide that you've got backup saves everywhere and you've got you know you you've, <laughs> you've researched down to down to a T you know through Wikipedia like oh don't go in that door because it's a bit buggy and it'll do that or like be careful because you'll get a weird autosave happen if you walk down that corridor and there's not that many people that want to play a game like that you know looking looking at a Wikipedia article yeah. as they go going oh actually I better not do that now because that in itself is an entirely different game experience and not one that that I would suspect sort of eighty percent of of people playing would would want to do so. Yeah, I think that's that's a totally reasonable way to to come at it. Um, but I think, yeah, I, I I tend to agree about some of those side factions as well. Um, they they are very interesting, and you do want things to kind of play out in the way that you imagine um, uh, the kind of best way for you and your character. Like particularly with the White Glove Society, you know, the fact that they give you this option to try and do everything stealthily and and carefully and and resolve it without 
violence um is kind of cool and there's a lot of factions that provide that kind of thing um but as you said it is it is quite difficult to manage that in the white glove society one because there's auto saves all over the place and there's a lot of like um dealing with ai kind of walking around and not necessarily responding to your stealthiness properly and and all that kind of thing it it, it can be a little bit difficult to to manage and this time as as the character i was you know i just did my usual that i'd done with everyone else when i worked out they were cannibals i just kind of opened fire so um, (laughs) that that kind of resolved it easier maybe that was partly what i was doing i was maybe trying to avoid some of the game's bugginess by being a kind of character who you know didn't really care about the fact that i'd i'd just you know blown up half of the casino and probably locked myself out of a whole, whole bunch of side missions or or uh you know being able to play at the casino because i'd basically killed a bunch of npcs that aren't going to come back um i think maybe maybe part of me because i was trying to play quite quickly decided on the character that could kind of overrule a lot of bethesda's kind of issues with with uh all that kind of stuff um because he was just kind of no nonsense um shoot first ask questions later kind of guy so yeah, it is interesting. Yippee, there'll be no wedding bells for today. Cause I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle. Jingle, jangle. As I go riding merrily along. Jingle, jangle. And they sing, oh, ain't you glad you're single? Jingle, jangle. And that song ain't so very far from wrong. Oh, Lily Bell. Oh, Lily Bell. Though I may have done some fooling, this is why I never fell. Cause I got spurs that jingle, jangle, jingle. Jingle, jangle. As I go right merrily along. They sing, oh, ain't you glad you're single? Jingle, jangle. And that song ain't so very far from wrong. So, as well as all of the kind of... uh, faction disputes both the the large factions and the small ones there's also quite a lot of uh side quest content that is just stuff that you find out in the wilderness uh, out in the wasteland and that's a hallmark of certainly of the fallout games if not the elder scrolls games as well is that that quite often some of the most interesting stories are just sort of standalone pieces that you you may not find um on your first playthrough you may not find at all and and it's kind of quite often the wider community will share their stories of certain things that they found and that's what kind of inspires you to go looking for them and um i think probably the the my favorite one of those the one that, that i think speaks to um the kind of individual storytelling that that is so powerful in some of these games um is vault 11 um so um for people that um haven't been in there basically it's just a, a very contained piece of not quite environmental storytelling but but certainly incremental and um tr- player driven storytelling i almost i almost don't want to spoil it for everyone who's not been in there yet so maybe skip ahead 30 seconds if you haven't already cuz cuz it is worth worth going and playing through but when you come into the vault you when you look at kind of the arrangement of the skeletons on the floor it looks like that they've basically all just shot each other um and then there is a note that basically explains that the the final survivors of the vault 
decided that they weren't going to allow themselves to leave on moral grounds based on what had transpired in the vault. And you see a lot of posters for an election for Overseer. But it starts to twist very quickly because some of the posters say things like, vote for this guy, he's a scumbag. Or, you know, vote, don't vote for this guy because he's a family man and he's got kids to think of. What seems to be happening is that the vault, the experiment of this vault, um, because um, the vaults in the Fallout universe are all basically some kind of twisted social experiment um, that the people inside aren't aware of. Um, the experiment of this vault seems to be um, on the surface that people have to elect an overseer and then that overseer has to go through a maintenance tunnel under the overseer's office um, and is never seen again. And if the citizens of the vault don't, decide to vote for someone to be overseer effectively don't choose someone to send to their apparent death and everyone's going to get killed so what started as kind of like a sacrificial lamb kind of thing quickly evolved into almost like a democratic process where people would campaign for who should be the overseer and therefore who should be the sacrifice so that's why you get these posters saying like please don't vote for me i have kids i have family eventually you make your way down underneath the overseer's office yourself and then you go into a side room and you find out that what the last few survivors of the vault realized so the guys that shot themselves up at the top of the top of the vault is that they they went down there and they spoke to the mainframe and they said enough is enough we're not going to keep sacrificing people kill us if you will and then the vault basically erupts into congratulations and says congratulations you've done the right thing you don't have to kill anyone really um so you're free to leave and then the vault opens so they can't deal with the horror of having lived in the vault for decades and no one ever resisting the vault's um imperative but yeah they can't deal with the horror of the kind of the moral implication that they've been living in this this kind of twisted morality for decades where they've been happy to sacrifice one of their own um in order to to apparently save everyone else and the actual test was you were supposed to sort of defy the vault's mandate um and then actually everyone would have been saved so it's just this very um it it, it basically what i like about it is it's a complete plot in its own right you know you know it could be used to um as a plot for a movie or something like that and the fact that it all just plays out through um radio tapes and um and through things that you may not even find you know i think the only main quest reason you even go in there is is to pick up something that i think you can pick up off of the first or second floor so you know a lot of people would just go in there and grab that think huh, this is strange as loads of posters on the wall and then disappear but the fact that if you dig deeper you've got this whole kind of interesting philosophical story and emotional story going on um that works almost in reverse and doesn't even involve you speaking to anyone you know everyone's long dead by this point you you're and and this is how it reminds me of say gone home or everybody's gone to the rapture in that the storytelling is is so impactful even though no one is left to tell it to you you know you're not actually seeing characters do anything um for me it just seemed like a uh one of the at the time one of the best pieces of storytelling that, that that i'd seen and probably why i then went on to really like games like gone home and and everybody's gone to the rapture because i'd seen that kind of storytelling before in fallout and kind of got the bug for it so i'm hesitant to sort of demystify or like take this this contained narrative down off its pedestal upon which you've placed it but 
and well for two reasons for one mm. i don't want to rain on your parade for enjoying the story so much and two uh <laughs> if you're not familiar with the other piece of media i it, it's deriving its story um extremely closely from um i'm i guess i'll be spoiling that one as well i i think ultimately they're still different enough that i'm, I'm going to bring it up for you and for anyone listening to, and I think I'll even include it in the show notes for anybody who wants to read it because it's, there's a short story uh, by my favorite author, actually. Maybe you've read it over here. A lot of people don't get out of middle or high school without having been assigned to read it. Uh, but maybe not over there. Sure. Are you familiar with Shirley Jackson, the author? She's dead now, but no. Okay. No. She, she wrote uh she wrote she only wrote six novels a couple nonfiction stories and then a whole bunch of short stories and her most famous work was published in the new yorker in i don't know probably 60 or 70 years ago now i think it's it's now in the public domain so however long ago it needed to have been for it to for it to now be in the public domain which i think is like their death plus 70 years or something weird like that but uh mm. so it's 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 available for free online i want I invite people to read it, but this, the Vault 11 story is, uh, seemingly, so, hmm, I don't know how do I put it. It's, it's either, it's either an homage or it's kind mm. of a, it's kind of a ripoff of it. Uh, <laughs> hopefully that doesn't ruin everything for you, but, um, yeah, I would invite you to read it. it it's different enough. And I think ultimately it's, they're, they're making two different points uh two mm. both both points on on morality but ultimately two different points uh at least slightly and 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 enough that i recommend everyone consume both um mm. and like you said it's it's still the way it's told through games i think is still special in, in that sort of gone home way that we've now seen so often in, in what people call walking sims that sort of found it's almost like the <laughs> Like the premise of a found footage movie is basically what Walking Sims are. It's like, oh, you've discovered this thing, and now we're going to mm. figure out what happened here. And uh, and and I I too appreciate those types of games very much, and and I too see the merit in games delivering story in that way. So I totally still applaud Vault Eleven uh, for doing this, and and I think in general a lot of the vaults uh, seem to have their own stories to tell like that. Uh, I mean, and just follow in general, again, we can go back to how much story there is and how much you want to take out of it. And there's tons of opportunities like that. And in Vault 11 mm-hmm. sounds like a a fantastic uh, example of all of that. It's just um, hearing you tell me what it is. It's uh, <laughs> it is very much like like the lottery. And I, again, I, I say it somewhat uh, hesitantly because uh it's like it is in Vault Eleven. It's 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 sort of a twist at the end, but mm. I I, th- I think I've maybe been vague enough. I mean, you, uh. yeah. I mean, to be honest, I I like that. You probably thought you were gonna like really offend me there, but um, I've got used to RPGs of a certain age and also Bethesda games. A lot of their contained stories are their homages to something else. Uh, it's something that they actually do quite yeah. a lot, it, especially as I said earlier. Like because I get quite invested in these games, I've spent quite a lot of time on their Wikipedia pages and their wikis and, and everything else. There's rarely a page in in those wikis where there isn't a note at the bottom from someone saying this is basically this, or you know this this is mm. heavily inspired by this. And I think that I 
I like the fact that there might be another story for me to go and read that was the inspiration for it. And I think that um, although I like the story of Vault 11, I think that, um, as I as I said, I think that it was the design of the storytelling in the game that sold it to me the yeah. most. I think I don't, you know, that even if it had been a story that I was already aware of, I think I would have still very much appreciated the way that it was designed. Obviously, it would have taken some of the impact off of perhaps where the story was going, but... Um, you know, I think I would say even something like everybody's gone, gone to the rapture. I kind of had a grasp of where that was going fairly early on, but I still very much appreciated mm-hmm. the way that it was told. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think I think um, yeah, certainly, especially in Oblivion and Skyrim, there's an awful lot of dungeons where it's just like, oh, okay, this is just this is just riffing on on that. Um, <laughs> and yeah, so it, it's it's probably less of a big deal in this game than it perhaps would be in say, you know, if you really enjoyed a, a, a full-on uh, linear single-player narrative-driven story like I know something like Bioshock and then someone turned around and said that's 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 basically just a you know that's this novel that I read the other day um, you know that might be a little bit more disheartening but but yeah there, there was an indie came out a few months ago that I reviewed called The Station mm. you can beat it in about an hour it's it's pretty it's it's cool if, if you don't know a lot of sci-fi if you haven't watched the twilight zone or anything inspired by it i mm. think you'll like it a lot uh but for anyone who's like deeply versed in in the twilight zone you're, you're going to see the twist in that game coming a mile away and, <laughs> uh but yeah it's but like i was i was trying to emphasize that you know regardless of the similarities and, and you know maybe it it probably is just a nod to that because it's very similar i think they're also mm different enough to and, and certainly told in the fashion in which vault 11 is it's that's still that's still like merits applause and yeah it, there's there's still enough there to be enjoyed but yeah totally i mean sure i'll take the opportunity to plug my favorite author shirley jackson as well <laughs> go check out her work sure. uh, i can probably i'll probably hyperlink the lottery into the show notes when we uh, when we post this episode but yeah i'm pretty sure it's free online so it should be easy to to share with anybody listening but it's very similar if, if you think if you think sam's synopsis sounds good check out that story too it's only like 10 pages long <laughs> to be honest i'm just jealous of our school <laughs> curriculum over there it sounds sounds really boring compared to what you guys had but <laughs> <laughs> before we wrap up on on the story talk i just wanted to share um sabin rothschild's um uh comments on on partly on the ending choices but also just on on the kind of the narrative of the game in general um and they wrote on the mr house independent vegas question i feel like both scenarios have a limited future but at least if you kill him your fate is in your own hands the strength of the writing is such that any of the endings can only really start the debate though the sense of lost history that permeates this game is far too strong for me to believe that any of the endings would be more than a temporary respite from the crushing hopelessness of trying to resurrect a civilization worth living in there's lots of hope written into the quests particularly if you play as a goody two-shoes but the world itself is so grim it has everything i felt was missing from fallout 3 i love it Mm. and i think that just to kind of sum up where i stand on the story and and how i came to the ending i did I, i completely agree with with sabin rothschild there because I think there's a grimness to it and a and a very temporary um feeling to the to the ending no matter which ending you have you kind of feel like this is just going to keep happening it's just going to keep going on which very heavily reminds me of Deadwood which was one of my early favorite 
TV series at the time was that, you know, there was never a sense that, that anyone had kind of won anything. It was just a conflict that was just going to keep going on. And, and it's something I quite like in a lot of my sci-fi as well, that kind of mm-hmm. uh, grim, dark, I think they call it in fantasy um, kind of thing where, you know, nothing's ever just going to be resolved. There's no big bad that's going to gonna be extinguished and then everyone lives in, in peace afterwards. And, and I think that New Vegas for me nails that narratively. So we'll just have a quick chat about the gameplay. Obviously, we've we've touched on the fact that that it's not. I think you can tell <laughs> by the fact that we talked so long about the story as well. Is that it's it's not necessarily about the gameplay in this game. Um, certainly not about the moment to moment combat and the Oof, yeah. um, the uh, just the traversal and the save mechanics and and I must admit, going back to it now, I think I had a higher tolerance uh, back when this game came out for bugs generally i think that there was a certain amount of certainly if you played a lot of open world rpgs at the time you could tolerate a certain amount of bugs because that was part of the course you know if a game this ambitious in terms of its size at the time and the scope of the different things you can do and the amount of quests that are trying to tick over at the same time amount of npcs that are trying to go about their business at the same time i think back then i could accept the amount of times that it might just crash things might just go completely wrong you might fail a quest because just the ai messed up and someone got killed um back then that was okay going back to it now i found it very irritating and in fact um i because i i finished this game on xbox in terms of the achievement list a long time ago i, I played through on steam this time i modded the hell out of that game just <laughs> to fix as much as i possibly could because i was getting sick of just crashing to my desktop every five minutes and and it's interesting to think that something that i was very accepting of back um you know nearly a decade ago i am just completely not prepared to to waste my time with that stuff anymore you know if if the witcher 3 had been this buggy or if mass effect 3 had been this buggy even um i don't think i would have seen it through i think i would have just said this is this is a mess and and there's, there's no uh compelling <laughs> story good enough that's going to drive me through this and and i was interested to see I, I, I mean, I don't know how many patches they even still release for this on on Xbox, but I was interested to hear from your perspective, Mark, coming into this completely fresh and new and without any bias. Did you find the game hugely buggy, and was it was it frustrating to you at any point? Obviously, apart from that white glove society issue with the with the saving um, messing up the end of your end of your story. Yeah, it uh, it's always weird to me because I know I know Bethesda has a reputation for delivering buggy games. They even they even um joked about it on stage at e3 a couple mm. weeks ago them they poked fun at themselves for it uh and i've definitely seen my share <laughs> of them i know skyrim partly why i had to stop playing skyrim was because this one npc would not stop following me around initiating conversation he would just like travel wherever <laughs> i went i was like okay well 35 hours in i'm not mm. going to start over so i guess i'm not going to finish either because this guy won't leave me alone but uh generally in in this playthrough of new vegas I, I didn't see a whole lot i saw little things um like part of my character model would disappear you know at one point i was wearing a rebreather so she could breathe underwater mm-hmm. and but like both the rebreather and her neck like was just like disappeared so she just had like a floating head uh and then shoulders <laughs> half, half, a, <laughs> half a foot below the that floating head and little things like that like blemishes like that i didn't i don't think my game ever crashed um okay i don't know sometimes i feel like i'm just not noticing what everyone else is noticing i know i adored state of decay 2 and a lot of people had tons of bugs with that 
playing mm. through that. And I know a lot of those bugs were multiplayer for that game. And, and so maybe if those people played more multiplayer than me, that explains it in that case. But mm. yeah, with Fallout 3, I don't remember too much. Fallout 4... I mean, it's the little things more than the bugs for me. It's just the overall clunkiness of the game. That's that's yeah. what annoys me. It's just, you know, I like to play these games in third person most of the time, it, and yet they look hideous in third person. The way you just sort of glide yeah. around and, and mm. uh, just never looks good. Or uh, the shooting, I think, is just you know, Kevin can pull a kevinism here he he likes to talk about ob- objectivity versus subjectivity and sometimes he misuses mm. them and i think he does that on purpose but he he would say uh <laughs> or was picking on him when he's not here sometimes uh he would he says like things are objectively bad when when they're not you know even if even if it's a widely held opinion but i think uh i think the sh- the shooting gameplay in fallout is is as close as you can get to objectively bad with that leaving vats aside mm-hmm. i think in vats it's okay especially on easy in which i play then i think it boosts all your percentages so it becomes it becomes really breezy to just play through on vats but if like your action points are, are depleted and you have to actually just do third or first person shooting gameplay like live action it's uh i think mm-hmm. it's it's pretty terrible and I, you know again it's, it's not truly objective i'm sure someone likes it maybe even you but uh it's just it's really hard to defend i find and just generally it's you know i hate that you can't fast travel from indoors or from within certain settlements you know so you have to yeah. walk out a door and then fast travel to the next door and then go in that door you can't just go from one to the other. I'm, I'm sure that's just a technical limitation and that'll probably be resolved within mm. the next one or two fallout games or, or just bethesda rpgs in general but uh yeah it's just the clunkiness is, is what gets me and uh, I think mm. earlier I alluded to what this game does really well. I said it's a it's a jack of all trades, maybe just master of one, and that one would be the uh, just the open endedness and and the the role playing and letting you. Mm. It basically always has a solution available to you, uh, yeah. Provided you have enough like uh, experience points in in the right areas, there's there's always going to be some route you can take, even if it's the bloody root and you weren't always interested in that mm. or whatever whatever it is there's there's always a way out of, of every narrative path and that's what it does really well and everything else it does either pretty well or in some cases i think really badly and i think the shooting especially is just terrible in these games yeah i i, I completely agree and i think when i was talking about the bugs i suppose now that i think about it it's it's less the bugs themselves that that maybe like i like you would overlook um, it's more that they come up when I'm already frustrated by so much of the of the clunkiness of the rest of it. You know, I I quite often feel like I'm fighting with these games just to get through them. And and as you say, you know, well as I said, some of it's to do with bugs, but some of it's also to do with with the terrible shooting, uh, the the stealth that doesn't work, the fact that you can't fast travel in all places, but you can in some places. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean I. More than once uh, playing through on Steam, I had to get on the console and uh, turn Collision off just to like walk through some walls because it decided that <laughs> I, I couldn't go somewhere and I was just fed up with it. And obviously that's the advantage of of playing on PC is that you can you can fix certain parts of the game that you don't like. I mean, the, 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 the patch that, that you can get on the Steam version of the game, the kind of main unofficial patch that you can get, fixes so much... Um, stuff i mean it's a it's a sizable patch and it's been someone's been working on it for years and years and it's just frustrating to think like oh, if, if 
I mean, don't get me wrong. Developing games is difficult. You're never going to catch all the bugs, but but there's just so many quality of life improvements just in this one patch made by by uh, by an amateur, albeit over over a few mm. extra years, um, that completely changed the game. And it and it's on the one hand you can say, well, you know, developers have to work within their constraints, but on the other hand, you see other games managing to get those things right, and you just think, was there a way that they could have somehow reduced the scope of the game? to give them the ability to just make some of these quality of life improvements um but i i just don't think that's a philosophy with this kind of stuff and i think that's as you were saying (laughs) earlier i think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with the next iterations of of elder scrolls and of fallout um you know the mainline fallout game is how much they start to kind of pull back and go okay we need to make a game that's not buggy we can't let this be the joke anymore um, and how much they go, no, we're just still going to focus on um, exploration over good combat. We're still going to focus on, um, you know, having loads and loads of side quest options and NPCs. And let's forget about whether they end up accidentally killing each other because some <laughs> marker has changed and now they all hate each other. Um, and yeah, I think I'm certainly getting to the point, And I think that I felt this with Fallout 4 for as much as I felt like it had some narrative issues. I was also by that point, I think, tired of the of the whole thing because I'd spent so many hours in that kind of game that by the time Fallout 4 came around, I just I wasn't willing to um, I wasn't willing to engage with some of the systems that they, I didn't feel like they'd updated enough to um to be worthy of that much time, uh, that much investment. Yeah. Um, and I think, as you said earlier, you dialed down too easy on this game to kind of get through it. I, I certainly did the same. And, and I must admit, I do that quite a lot with Bethesda games, much as I, I enjoy them. I, I do at some point end up going, okay, I'm done with with basically fighting the combat system because I'm not really yeah. fighting the enemies. I'm fighting the, the weirdness of the of the shooting. And even the VAT system, you know, it's it's... It's a poor man's turn-based RPG, really. Like the, the that system is trying to co-opt the the turn-based RPG systems of the original games, and I just I think it's kind of a boring way to do things, and it doesn't really work for me. So, um, I think hopefully in the future they may consider just choosing one or the other, just make a decent shooting system or somehow try and make some kind of system that is just a fully RPG thing but I don't really see how they could do that anymore because people have an expectation that this is going to be a first person shooter albeit a terrible one um, that, that <laughs> yeah. I don't think they can really get away from that now and, and maybe hopefully they'll consider calling their friends at, um, at ID Studios or at Avalanche uh, you know, who have experience with actually building decent combat mechanics in an open world and say hey do you want to come in for the day and stop us doing what we always do <laughs> um <laughs> but yeah i guess um we, we we may we may talk about that a bit um later on when we talk talk briefly about fallout 76 but um i just wanted to touch on the um some of the rpg mechanics in the game and how you felt about them because i the, w- one thing i do like about the gameplay is i like the special system and i like the perk system and specifically i think i prefer the perk system as it was in fallout 3 and new vegas compared to what they tried to do with fallout 4 which is to kind of throw everything on that big graphic where you could see ahead all of the different um um skills and perks that you could work towards and it was all directly tied to um, your 
special levels and it was all a little bit too clinical for me and a little bit too almost Ubisoftian where it was like just a big list of, of all the different things that you could go for if you wanted to but you know you don't really have to it turned into a little bit too much of a tick list whereas I, I found that the way that it was set up in Fallout 3 and New Vegas was that you almost didn't really pay attention to what you might be unlocking next and it was a bit of a surprise you know if you hit a certain skill cap because you decided to increase your lockpick you know it was a nice surprise to then go to the perks menu and then like hey you know now that you've got lockpick 75 you can uh retry a door that you accidentally locked out before you know and and, and just stuff like that it, it it tended to be a little bit more surprising and especially because some of the perks were perks of either having a companion with you or um, killing a certain amount of monsters out in the wild, you'd get a perk that meant you you had um, extra efficacy against a certain monster type. Just things like that. It was just a little bit more, to me, it felt a little bit more malleable, a bit more like you were making your own choices and there were surprising consequences to that rather than the list ticking that I think was going on in, in Fallout 4. But, um, but yeah. Well, the, the thing, when you play these games on easy like I do... Um, and and like you said, it's because you you, you kind of don't want to bump into all a whole host of other problems. So you just play uneasy and just get through those parts. And then because what what this game does well is the RPG stuff. And in that way, I appreciate the the stats and the specials and, and the perks and all that. But I found a lot of the perks uh, because I'm playing uneasy. They didn't ma- they didn't feel like they mattered that much to me. Uh, I did have the lockpick one where you get to retry it one last time with a percentage chance and uh and then you know you can gamify that and just save right before you try and keep reloading until it works which always feels like cheating but again i guess the game encourages it so i do it (laughs) uh (laughs) but yeah i i I mean i played this game like i always play all of them which is i'm going to be diplomatic and and get out of things speaking as much as i can and when i can't do that i want to be able to hack and lockpick and and pickpocket and those are those are the things i always every game i've always well you know all three games now in the series that i've played I, i that's where i always put my points specifically to the perk system i felt like you know, it didn't matter that I could get a 10% bonus against men playing as a woman with the Black Widow perk because, uh, well, that, that, that was like a combat associated perk, but it, and it didn't matter because I was already in easy mode and I didn't bump into too many difficult mm. combat encounters. You know, the death claws were a pain even on easy, uh, so I had to avoid them down by that quarry or whatever it was there. A lot of the perks... Uh, I didn't give them a whole lot of thought. I mean, I would browse the whole list of, of those that were available to me, and I guess I would still choose them wisely, but I, I, I felt like I didn't actually end up utilizing mm. them often anyways. Basically, my those those few special stats that I'd... Uh, or not, not, not from the special menu, I guess, but from the just like the general stats menu, just speed, sneak pickpocket or whatever it is uh yeah sneak is pickpocket or i guess but (laughs) sneaking speaking and lock picking Mm. and i i was able to get out of things most of the time just using those things and the perks uh they they didn't actually come into play too much for me i i I guess besides that lock pick one which i got starting out because of how i built my character in that doctor's house at the very start Mm. and then (laughs) i i had foolishly chosen (laughs) some stat at some perk at the beginning that gives me bonus action points but my my bones will cripple my limbs will cripple more easily so it was like <laughs> yeah. every hit she was just like 
limping around and eventually i i did activate a perk that makes it so my limbs cripple less often, which i think just brought it down to like the normal rate basically they kind of canceled each other out so at that point i just had more action points for free so i did appreciate that and uh i'm sure for people who play it on harder difficulties those things are, are much more crucial but for me i felt like I was already breezing through most of it, and as long as I could talk my way out of things, as, well, as long as that was a path that was available to me, that's what I was going to do, and I'd max that out so early that I didn't, uh, I didn't have to rely on perks too much, uh, for especially like combat-driven ones, because just wasn't my way of playing. Yeah, and that's fair enough. And I think I think a lot of my a lot of the things I like about it are based on my first experiences where I I played on a harder difficulty and I didn't know how to gamify it so much um so i think that the systems are good for the people who want to play it that way especially people playing in like things like hardcore mode where you have to watch oh, your yeah. water and your your uh hunger levels and your sleep levels your and everything out. else i think that some of those perks really come into play there but as you say if you're playing a a gentleman thief um then you don't you don't really have to worry about a lot of that and especially if you're trying to avoid the combat because you're not enjoying it i think again it's a testament to the amount of systems that they throw in there you know that that you can you know this whole kind of perk system that is useful to one type of player but another type of player can mostly ignore it um or you know, not worry about it too much um but yeah I, I think overall i i i'm still very fond of the perk system and i hope that that's something that they they carry on expanding especially if they can find more ways to make it react to what you're actually doing in the game rather than just something that you pick from at the end you know i I quite like that um the versions of it where you were completing a certain challenge and that meant that you got a certain perk as a result that that felt just a little bit more in game rather than taking you out of the moment and and making you pick from a bunch of numbers it was uh, uh sometimes that can get a little bit too listy um certainly compared to a lot of modern games so overall uh new vegas is by far my favorite fallout game and and probably still my favorite bethesda game although i think skyrim comes pretty close for different reasons um i think it's moral versatility and the complexity of all the different standard and special perks you can pick up and the world and and at least some of the characters and just the central old west style cowboy conflict mixed with all of that kind of vegas heist rat pack kind of thing going on it all just comes together in a way that i don't think bethesda as a studio could have produced on their own um and i think he i would assume that i'm really seeing the influence of obsidian there and and interplay that came before them um and it's probably why fallout 4 never really kind of caught me in the same way that new vegas did um and almost felt like a step back and this kind of put off me wanting to play any future iterations of the main uh the main series uh, in, unless they can bring in some of that sort of additional talent um, that that they had with Obsidian, and I was just interested to hear just your final thoughts on how the game compares for you with Fallout Four, um, and just generally what you thought of it. Yeah, it's. I, th- I think I said earlier that I, New Vegas is is definitely my favorite of the three Fallout's that I've played. I, again, you know, I didn't finish Fallout Three, but that just probably means you can put it last. <laughs> uh, the the weird part for me regarding Fallout 4 specifically is I really thought I was ready for it when it came out and I, you know I, it takes place in Boston I'm I'm from Boston well it takes place in and around Boston basically but I'm 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 from that area that state mm. and 
that's usually a big deal to me. I love when stories, be it books or movies or games, whatever. I love when they take place in Boston. Fringe, or Fringe, that awesome sci-fi show took place in Boston. I really appreciated that. Uh, even Quantum Break <laughs> last month took place in, in Massachusetts. And that's usually a big deal to me. And I thought that alone would have pulled me in. And for some reason, it wasn't. And And alternatively, I don't really care about Westerns other than Red Dead. That was like the first thing that made me actually like westerns, and uh, hmm. and and yet now playing New Vegas with with its like western theme. I mean, it's not a straight western, but it has so many western themes and uh, not motifs, I guess, but just you know, it, it's it's drawing a lot of inspiration from that genre, just mixed with the weird sci-fi sure. mutated post-apocalypse, and it's it's an interesting mashup in that way, and. I guess that's what's most interesting to me as as an individual is that uh, New Vegas does a lot right for me that Fallout Four doesn't. Even though Fallout Four had such a head start, just being placed in a in a in a in a mm. setting that I thought I would like a lot more, and yet New Vegas is is the clear winner uh, <laughs> of my affection. I guess you could say it's. Uh, yeah, I don't have really any fond memories of Fallout 4. I, I recently went back and finished it because mm. um, I felt bad that I hadn't because I received it as a gift. And, uh, you know, I like it enough to play it, but I can say that about a ton of games because I try to play most everything mm. anyways, just, just being on site as we are and just being a fan of the of the medium. I, I try to get a mm. hand of everything just so I know what's out and what's happening and what's trending. And so that's kind of why I finished Fallout 4. And though, like I said, I did drag a bit to the finish line with New Vegas. Um, it wasn't it wasn't nearly as as uh, extreme <laughs> a feeling that I had. It's, yeah, it's, I mean, we would have to have a whole different podcast on Fallout 4, but we've definitely both alluded to, to what <laughs> went wrong there. And yeah, I think New Vegas comes out on top for me. Uh, ahead of the others and i'm curious about like wasteland 2 those games are that series apparently is inspired mm-hmm. by the original fallouts and i don't i don't think i'd like mm-hmm. those better because those are more systems heavy than even this one and that's yeah. not usually what i care about but uh yeah cer- certainly among the fallouts that i have played and and games like it and i i guess yeah included in that is even elder scrolls i guess new vegas is probably my favorite over all of them mm. which i Definitely didn't expect. <laughs> no, and I think I think that may come down to the writing, and I think that probably both of us will have to follow Obsidian um, and uh, Chris Avalon, who was writing for Obsidian at the time, just kind of follow their trajectories throughout other games. I, I noticed before going into this recording that um, that Chris Avalon, at least, and I think Obsidian were involved with um, Torment Tides of Numenera, which is on our potential list of things in the future as well as um pillars of eternity which i think kevin is a particular fan of so um we may find if we want that kind of experience it's less about going forward through bethesda and through the fallout universe and perhaps sort of maybe following some of those narrative designers who have obviously clearly worked so hard on new vegas to give you so many different options and to to really flesh out some of those narrative consequences and and see what they're up to in in some of those other games and i know chris avalone's recently come out on the e3 stage to talk about dying light 2 so that might be another one to keep an eye on in the future as well because because perhaps he's going to give some of that that kind of narrative weight to to that game as well yeah that that will definitely be one we'll have on a list at some point once it comes out just to kind of wrap things up i just wanted to have a uh 
a brief chat about the DLC, um, just more of a PSA really, because a lot of our feedback this month was basically everyone saying, make sure you play the DLC. I know that Mark, you didn't get a chance to do that, but I would just uh, kind of echo those sentiments to anyone listening who uh, didn't get a chance to. The, the, the DLCs have some incredible writing in them and uh, they're definitely worth playing. And, and even some of the gameplay I think is, is uh, at least slightly better and certainly more interesting. Um, Dead Money is is uh, basically a heist out in a casino out in out in the wilds. Um, Old World Blues has a kind of uh, Twilight Zone pastiche sci-fi thing going on, um, which is very interesting. Uh, you basically start the game by having all of your major organs ripped out, and you have to wander around finding them again. Um, very <laughs> very different tone completely. Um, so those two definitely I'd recommend. Um, Honest Hearts and Lonesome Road uh, kind of extend the story of the courier and make your central character a lot more interesting because um, there's some implications about who you were before the beginning of the game. Um, So they definitely make it um, worth uh, looking into if you kind of want to get more of the narrative of of what's going on uh, with the courier in particular. And yeah, a lot of, as I said, a lot of our... um, community have just uh, come out in force to say like please go and play the dlc and even the gunrunners arsenal which is basically just a, a weapons pack um adds some interesting challenges into the game and i was quite uh i was quite pleased this time around to when i uh took out mr house i took him out with uh, a golf club and one uh challenge called a slave obeys hmm. um which i think you'd probably appreciate yeah. Mark as well. um, <laughs> might get on that um, soon actually Absolutely, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to end off with um, a comment from Mowu that kind of sums up um, how he thinks it's best play, the best way to play this game, and uh, and talks a bit about the DLC as well. Um, they said best game in the series, only rivaled by Fallout Two. Play the DLC in the right order, or miss out on some of the best writing in any RPG. Keep in mind the gun runner challenges, collectibles, and where to make saves for the endings, but otherwise I'd recommend forgetting about the achievements altogether and just exploring every nook and cranny since this game is packed to the brim with content and Easter eggs. Very hard, hardcore difficulty for maximum immersion and enjoyment. Um, so apart from that last sentence, I agree completely, Awu. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, as as Awu has mentioned achievements, it's uh, probably a good time to start talking about our community stats. Um, so just having a brief look at who was involved, we had 1,250 gamers start the game in July, uh, 231 of those were starting it for the first time and 59 completed it. That equaled just under 10,000 achievements for just under 200,000 gamer score and uh, just over 300,000 true achievement score, which is the proprietary scoring system that uh, true achievement himself, Rich Stone, designed in order to make achievements make a little bit more competitive sense if you're uh, into that kind of thing. Um, for me personally, as I said earlier, I had already completed the game on on Xbox, so I thought I would uh, get some of my Steam achievements, uh, particularly because New Vegas went on sale in the summer sale just before we started uh, started the month. Well, that was that was handy, but I ended up getting 32 of the 75 achievements um, oh, wow. on Jesus. the Steam version of the game. But <laughs> I have to admit that Knowing what I was doing and also having access to a lot of mods made that a lot easier. So, mm. um, so yeah, I can't take for the mods don't the mods don't disable them like they do on Xbox. No, um, and that's possibly partly why 
Steam achievements are sometimes considered to be a little well, apart from the fact that they don't regulate them at all, and and you know there's no real value in them at all. Um, quite a lot of games that have mods, you can still get the achievements. I think there's a certain mm. certain amount of stuff you can't do. I don't think you can mess with the console too much and actually like debug the game. Um, but certainly a lot of the mods that people put out, and as I said, that unofficial patch that fixes a lot of the game's core problems um, really made that go a lot quicker. So I can't take full credit for getting that many achievements that quickly mm, okay. how did you do yeah because i was gonna say i only got uh 18 for 300 gamer score and, and i was thinking well sam was just screwing around on yet another playthrough of this game and he's still almost <laughs> what's going on here but may, maybe it's because you're literally flying through the map yes yeah i was i was uh, <laughs> clipping through everything i possibly could and then like coming out of the console <laughs> saving the game and then loading up so that i didn't get my achievements voided so um yeah there's a little bit of little bit of tweaking going on <laughs> but um yeah so i think that about wraps up for for this talk so as we ride off into the sunset it only remains for us to remind you that your reviews on apple podcasts and itunes are always very very welcome much appreciated that's where the ratings really count um just a little plc as well if you've got an android device i know google um, have finally sorted out a Google Podcast app, so um, I'm sure that ratings and reviews over there will help boost us over time as well. Um, so basically, anywhere you want to download your podcast from, if they've got a way to rate and review us, please do. It's all very welcome, and we thank everyone who's already done so. So next month, we're going right back to the start of Master Chief's story with Halo Combat Evolved, and you can play along with the playlist crew on 360 with the anniversary edition of the game, or on the Xbox One with the Master Chief collection. I won't be on that show, sadly, because I'm off on holiday over when we would record, but um, it's a game that I'd really like to play one day, so I'm looking forward to listening to to everyone's thoughts um, along with the rest of the community. Uh, what about you, Mark? Are you familiar with this game at all? Have you played any of the Halos? I've played almost no Halo, which which sounds incredible for someone wow. who has so long been involved in the Xbox side of, of gaming. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I think I played two of them just because they were free, and I've, I've not played the first. It, right. It's going to be crucial for me to go back and get that context, and it might actually make me start to care about the series, mm-hmm. so that, that could be fun. I know Kevin's uh, Kevin's excited to go back to it. He's going to host that one because he's, he's very familiar with the franchise. And Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to figuring out whether or not I should care about all the sequels that I've yet to touch because I haven't played the first one, so this will be good for that. Cool, and I'll be back for whatever whatever on earth we're playing in September, Um, so I'm looking forward to that. (laughs) Um, So, tune in next month as Kevin and Mark chat about their Halo experiences, and I'll see you guys in September. Until then, happy trails. Bye. Bye. To the town of our free who rode a train to one fine day Hardly spoke to folks around him, didn't have too much to say No one dared to ask his business, no one dared to make a slip The stranger there among them had a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip It was early in the morning when he rode into the town He came riding from the south side Slowly looking all around He's an outlaw loose and running Came the whisper from each lip And he's here to do some business With a big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip In this town there lived an outlaw By the name of Texas Red 
many men he tried to take him and that many men were dead He was vicious and a killer though you the 24 And the notches on his pistol numbered one and nineteen more One and nineteen more Now the strangers started talking made it plain to folks around was an Arizona ranger, wouldn't be too long in town He came here to take an outlaw back alive or maybe dead And he said it didn't matter, he was after Texas Red After Texas Red Wasn't long before the story was relayed to Texas Red but the outlaw didn't worry, men the tried before were dead Twenty men had tried to take him, twenty men had made a slip Twenty-one would be the ranger with the big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip The morning passed so quickly it was time for them to meet it was twenty past eleven when they walked out in the street Folks were watching from the windows, everybody held their breath They knew this handsome ranger was about to meet his death About to meet his death There was forty feet between them when they stopped to make their play and the swiftness of the ranger is still talked about today Texas red and not cleared leather for a bullet fairly ripped And the ranger's aim was deadly with the big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip It was over in a moment and the folks had gathered round there before them lay the body of the outlaw on the ground Oh, he might have went on living, but he made one fatal slip When he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip Big iron on his hip Big iron, big iron When he tried to match the ranger with the big iron on his hip Big iron on his head